8, verses 1 through 13. And if you remember, it was the familiar story of Jesus feeding the 4,000, not the 5,000. 5,000 was in chapter 6. This is the 4,000. Uh, and we need to keep this story, this event in mind because it plays into uh, our passage this morning. Now, if you remember, uh, Jesus has fed 5,000 in chapter 6. He's fed 4,000 in chapter 8. Um, and both take place in the desert. Both have uh, similar characteristics that the people have been following Jesus, listening to Jesus, and they become uh, hungry and they're far away uh, from their place of where they can get any bread. So Jesus turns to his disciples, as in both the scenarios, and says, how many loaves do you have? And Jesus, of course, uh, feeds the 4,000 in chapter 8. Now, one thing that's interesting is that the reason Jesus feeds the people is found in verse 1 of chapter 8 when it says that Jesus, seeing the people, had compassion on them. And we looked at last week, one of my favorite uh, definitions of compassion is that compassion is a deep desire to relieve the suffering of others. That compassion is a deep desire to relieve the suffering of others. So Jesus responds. He doesn't only see the need. He doesn't feel the need or think about the need. He actually responds to the need by feeding the 5,000, asking the disciples, how many loaves do you have? And the disciples uh, participating in that miracle with Jesus because we have been uh, blessed by the compassion of Jesus so that we can be a blessing to others. Um, Now, this morning... We continue to see Jesus and his disciples again in a boat where Jesus will teach them something in verses 14 through 21. But before we go there, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your son, Jesus the display of your love for us by his work on the cross. Thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives as believers. And God, we pray this morning now that you would teach us in all wisdom and all truth, that as we read your word, that you would show us what we need to know, what we need to understand, and how we need to respond. Would you take a minute and pray for the person in front of you or behind you or beside you? that you would hear, that they would hear from the Lord this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of the message this morning is simply, Do You Understand? If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 8, verses 14 through 21. Uh, As you're turning there, there's two uh, principles, two thoughts Um, that I want us to leave with, two beliefs that I want us to leave with today. The first is this, is that our lives will be based on two beliefs. Do we believe, one, that Jesus is who he says he is? And two, do we believe Jesus will do what he promises he will do? Mark chapter 8, verses 14 through 21. And they had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he, was, and he was giving orders to them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? 
When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? And they said to him, Twelve. And when I broke the seven for the four thousand, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, Seven. And he, he was saying to them, Do you not yet understand? Now, there's three areas I want to look at this morning, and the first one is to simply ask about the situation and what is going on. Now, verse 13, verse right before what I just read, said this, Leaving them, meaning leaving the Pharisees and Sadducees, he, Jesus, again embarked and went away to the other side. And they had forgotten to take bread and didn't have more than one loaf in the boat with them. Now, I want us to understand that the disciples and Jesus had just been apart of the miracle of feeding 4,000 people. And in verse 14, it finds that we find Jesus in the boat with the disciples heading across the Sea of Galilee. And as they're crossing the lake, they realize that they had forgotten some bread. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever forgotten anything? Anybody here not ever forgotten anything? Can you imagine, and maybe, maybe you can experience this way. How many of you have ever been like on a trip or on a vacation or, or something, and you get a little ways down the road, and you're like, ah, oh, I forgot. And so now there's this conversation that you have in your mind with the people in the car, and you're going, is it worth turning around to go back for? So... In the boat, here are the disciples with Jesus, and they're going across the Sea of Galilee, and they go, oh, we forgot the bread. Now there's this dilemma. Do we ask Jesus to go back and get us some bread? You ask him, John. He really likes you. <laughs> so Jesus, of course, the boat's not that big. Here's their thoughts, here's their conversations, and what they're saying. And he uses, it's really important, he uses their forgetfulness to teach them a lesson about himself and about them. And so Mark gives us this opportunity to kind of eavesdrop on the conversation Jesus is having with his disciples. But I think, I think it's also a conversation that Jesus wants to have with us. So I would ask you not only to just eavesdrop, but maybe find a seat in the boat as they go across the Sea of Galilee. Because we're going to see that Jesus is going to ask some really great questions about himself and about the disciples. Now up until this point, Mark records three different times where Jesus is in the boat with the disciples. And it's almost as if the disciples are going, guys, we're getting in the back, get back in the boat with Jesus. And there's no telling what's going to happen. Because if you remember, in Mark chapter 4, when Jesus and the disciples were in the boat, Jesus calms the storm. But remember how the disciples responded. Who is this that can calm the storm? First try, didn't get it. Second time, they're in the boat. Remember the second time in the boat, they were again terrified. Why? Because Jesus comes walking to them on the water. Mark chapter 6, verse 52, they had not understood about the loaves, 5,000. Their hearts were hardened. This is the third time now in the boat with Jesus. And Jesus, again, after feeding the 4,000, the disciples still don't get it. 
They haven't moved close enough to this comprehension of who Jesus is, who's with them in the boat, and what he can do. Now, there's something in this situation, there's something in this conversation uh, that I want to point out because I think it's interesting. Look at verse 14 again. It said, And they, the disciples, had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. Now, did you notice something about the bread that they forgot? Look at verse 14 again. And they had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. Now, it makes you think that maybe one of them had stuck a, a loaf of bread in a tunic somewhere. It almost seems like a contradiction because in verse 14 it says they have one bread. In verse 16 they have no bread. So what's the contradiction? What's going on? Now, what's interesting is some scholars and some commentators believe that Mark is using a play on words in the sense that he's teasing and some of playing on words on with this idea of bread. That they don't have any physical bread, but they have Jesus, who he says in John chapter 4, verse 6, I am the bread. So that is the one loaf that they have with them. Jesus was in the boat with them, and they had forgotten he was all the bread that they ever needed to ever be filled fully. One author said this, The disciples were having a hard time concentrating and understanding what Jesus was teaching them because of their concern with what they had forgotten or didn't have. They focused on what was lacking instead of who was with them. They were analyzing all these details in the situation, and they were forgetting Jesus. So let me ask you a question. How many of you sometimes answer this question Hey, how's it going? And your answer, well, it's okay, nothing much, I'm fine. Some of you, depending on who asked, would say, I'm, I'm struggling with work. I'm struggling with family. I'm having a difficult time with my health or my family's health. My family, my wife, my children, I have, I have some financial issues. What's going on around you? And all of these may be true. All of these situations may be happening. And all of them may not be wrong. And all of them may not be against God's plan for you. But the question I want us to ask and consider this morning is, in any situation, are you looking more at the details, maybe what is missing, more than who you have with you? Are you looking to understand that Jesus may be wanting to teach you something in your situation? If you're like me, sometimes I have a tendency to notice what is not in my hand rather than who's in my boat. Jesus wanted to teach the disciples something, and I think he wants to do the same for us, and so that's why he gives, in verse 15, a wise warning. Verse 15, and he was giving them orders, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, without any clear anticipation of what is coming next, seemingly out of the blue, Jesus warns his disciples, watch out for the leaven of Her uh, Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, it doesn't seem to fit the problem that the disciples were having. They said, we don't have any bread. He said, watch out for leaven. Now, some of your translations may use the word yeast here. It comes from the same root word, uh, this word uh, enzyme, which means to, uh, it's like a yeast or leaven, and that ingredient, as you know, 
gives dough the ability to rise and be fluffy and warm and have butter on it. How many of you just love bread? Now, yeast is this bacteria that gets into the dough, and as it decomposes or ferments, it lets off this gas that gives rise to the dough. And as you know, that the little bit of yeast gets into all the dough, and it makes the whole dough rise. In the Bible, yeast, or leaven, is synonymous with sin, or corruption, or evil, or wickedness. Yeast is this picture that sin can infiltrate our lives and work its way out in all the different areas of our lives. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you were in fact unleavened. It means to clean out, to put it aside, to get rid of it. In chapter 5, verse 6 of 1 Corinthians, it says that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. What Jesus is warning is, is that there are sins, particularly of the Pharisees and of Herod, this leaven that can get into our lives and mess up everything. So let me ask you a question. When is the last time that you gave some serious thought about the leaven or yeast or sin in your life? If you had a pen and paper and 30 minutes and you were given the task of writing down your sins, the yeast of your life, would you need more paper or less time? It's a question I want us to think about in the regards to how much time do I think about this leaven, this yeast, this sin that can infiltrate my life and cause me not to understand the things of God. Now, Jesus gives two different types of leaven. He says, first, the, the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, what was he talking about? Well, Luke chapter 12, verse 1 answers this question. It says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. The Pharisees, if you remember, were these religious men only concerned about what's on the outside. Jesus again and again says that your outside whitewashed tombs, that your inside is not matching the outside. There's not a congruency to your life. You act this way around one group of people. You act this way around a different group of people. And there's this charade, this act of hypocrisy in your life. That was the leaven of hypocrisy that the Pharisees had. And Jesus says, beware of that leaven to his disciples. Then he says, beware of the leaven of Herod. Now, what was the leaven of Herod? Those that belonged to Herod were called the Herodians. And the Herodians uh, were, were these people who were gripped by wanting power, materialism, wealth, worldliness, and, and a compromise to the world. Remember, it was Herod and his people who thought Jesus was going to be this Messiah, this king, this power, this throne that they could get a piece of. And when he wasn't that, they wanted to get rid of him. So Jesus is simply telling his disciples to live in an awareness and of confession of hypocrisy, worldliness, and a compromise to the world. And when you see it, get rid of it. 
1 Peter 1.16, Jesus says, Be holy as I am holy. In other words, purge, get rid of the yeast or sin in your lives. So Jesus asked some questions of the disciples. But before we get to the questions that Jesus asked, look at the response of the disciples in verse 16. It says they began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. So here's Jesus, verse 14. Here's the disciples say, ah, we forgot the bread. Jesus says, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and leaven of Herod. What are the disciples here? We forgot our bread. It's like they didn't even hear what Jesus said. They go straight back to the bread. They were so focused on the physical world that they were missing out on the spiritual things that Jesus wanted to teach. In fact, Matthew chapter 16, verse 7 and 8 tells the same scenario, and it says this. They began to discuss this among themselves, saying, He said that, be- he said that because we didn't have bring any bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? It's not about the bread. So the disciples had to be thinking, is he like scolding us right now? Rebuking us? Is he telling us not to buy bread from Pharisees or Herod? Is he saying we shouldn't have fellowship? And none of those answers are correct. He wasn't talking about real bread. They can't grasp it. They can't get it. They were too distracted with what they didn't have to see who they had with them. There are a lot of times in our lives when we either fail to understand what Jesus is trying to teach, it's because we're too engrossed in the concerns that are right in front of us. And so Jesus asks some really penetrating questions in verses 17 through 21. And I love these questions, that they are gracious, they're gentle, but they're also very pointed. And I think that's the way Jesus asks questions. So get yourself, if you haven't been in the boat yet, make room for yourself in the boat now because these questions are not only for the disciples, but for us. So the first question Jesus asks is, why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Now, I've always wondered, if I was in the boat and I was looking at Jesus, asked this question, would Jesus be angry? What was his tone? Was he upset? Did he shake his head disappointed? I don't know for sure, but one commentator said it like this. It may well be that he asked his questions not with anger, but with a smile, like one who tries to lead a slow child to see a self-evident truth. Jesus, remember, is gracious, and thankfully he is patient. And he asked these questions, why do you discuss the bread? The next question he says, do you not see, not yet see, or understand? I can't imagine what all the disciples have seen and heard of Jesus. The healings, the miracles, the feeding of so many people. And this word paired together with not yet gives me hope. That Jesus says to the disciples, I know you don't see it now. Not yet, but one day you will. One day you will. He asked this question, do you have a hardened heart? What a question for Jesus to ask me. Do you have a hard heart? 
what does it mean by have a hard or soft heart? By a soft heart, I mean that, that our hearts are, are responsive to God's will. But a hard heart is like, no, God, I'm doing it my way. Do you have a hardened heart? How do we discern if we have a hard heart? I think the answer is in Psalm 139 where David says, Search me, O God, and know my anxious thoughts. See my ways. See if there's anything offensive in here, God. And if so, if there's any yeast in here, any sin, then get rid of it. And lead me in the way everlasting. He says in verse 20 and 21, Having eyes do you not see? Having ears do you not hear? How many of you here wear glasses or contacts? How many of you here have someone in your life that you wish they could hear better? <laughs> Some of you are nudging, nudging your spouse. <laughs> it's frustrating when you can't see something, can't read something, can't hear something. But have you ever thought about why it's frustrating? Because the truth of what you are wanting to know can't be gathered. It can't be comprehended. It can't be understood. And it's frustrating. And Jesus says, you have eyes, but, but you're missing it. You're not seeing it. He asked this, do you not remember? The word remember is mentioned 150 times in scriptures and maybe even more depending on the variations. Why do you think it's in there so much? Because we forget so much. Jesus says, I know you forgot the bread, but don't forget me. Do you not remember? What is he asking the disciples to do? Rehearse. Rehearse our lives together. Remember where I was with you during this situation and what I did with that situation and this people and with you. Remember, rehearse. And as we do, as God allows us to remember those stories, our faith in him is restored and made stronger. Now what's really interesting is when Jesus asked them some details. He says, when I broke the loaves of the 5,000, how many baskets did you pick up? And they said to him, 12. And when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, seven. It's so funny how they remembered those details. But they forgot Jesus. He graciously and gently prods them to remember. I, I think this scene, in some ways, to me, is just a little comical. In the sense that, Jesus has just fed 9,000 people. Do you think it would be anything for him to feed 13? They have in the boat with them the ultimate bread maker. And yet they forgot. The last question he asks is this. Do you not yet understand? It's the second time he asked them the question. Do you not yet understand? And what's interesting about this question is that it leaves it hanging. There's no answer given by the disciples. 
Jesus doesn't answer the question for them. It's a question that they have to sit with. It's a question that we have to sit with. The Lord has done so much for us, but when the next crisis of faith arises, we react in what we forgot and don't have instead of those, instead of who we have with us. We need to take time to reflect on what he has done and remember his power in our lives. Remember Revelation 2, verses 4 and 5. When talking about the church at Ephesus, he says this, I have this against you that you left your first love. Therefore, remember. Remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. The deeds you did at first was love and trust Jesus. Everything in our spiritual life comes down to who you know and who you know walks with you in the person of Jesus. I remember growing up, and maybe you do too, that we would go on family vacations or family trips, and me and my two sisters would be in the back seat, and we were, well, let's just say we weren't being angels on the trip. And our parents would turn around and give us a talking to and after the talking to, I remember that there was like this quiet in the car. Nobody said a word. Everybody was thinking. It reminds me of this scene with Jesus and the disciples. Can you imagine the rest of the trip to the other side? Nobody saying a word. Quiet. Rehearsing. I like what one author said. His rebuke was not because of their failure to grasp the meaning of his warning, but at their failure to understand the meaning of his presence with them. So I want to leave you with a couple of questions this morning. The first one is this. Are you allowing life situations that you're in to be an opportunity to be taught by Jesus? When somebody asks you, how's it going? What's up? What's going on in your life? You can tell them all the situational stuff, but the question that really needs to be answered is where's Jesus with you in it? Second question, are there areas of your life where thoughts, motives, and actions that have been permeated with leaven? There is a false sense about sin where we think that if we just put a little bit of sin over here, it's not going to affect things over here. That I can hide this, I can put this in, in a corner, and it's not going to affect the rest. But the truth is, sin is like leaven. That it, it permeates the entire dough and works its way out. And so the question is, where or what is the leaven in your life? Has there been a time where you sat with God and said, Open the eyes of my heart. Show me. Third question is, what is it that is distracting you from seeing, hearing, understanding, and trusting that Jesus is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do? It may be just a sense of you sitting with Jesus and rehearsing your story with him. A time of gratitude, a time of confession, time of joy, a time of hope. The final thing I want to leave us with is what I started with, is this. 
our lives will be lived based on two beliefs. Do we believe Jesus is who he says he is? And do we believe that Jesus will do what he promises he will do? Let me pray for us. God, thanks so much for this morning. Thank you for this, this story, this scene, this interaction, the conversations, the questions. God, I thank you for your patience with us. I thank you for your grace and your gentleness, but I also thank you for not letting us drift too far. God, help us, we pray, to remember. God, by your Spirit, help us understand. Reveal to us any leaven or yeast, the sin that has permeated our lives to help us get rid of it so that we can see you clearly. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.